Good Saturday, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm, we're on every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. So thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, did you know that baby boomers will pass down an estimated $68 trillion in wealth to their heirs. You know, estate planning is an important and in, in, in sometimes an integral part of retirement planning. And for many reasons, you know, you've worked hard for your money. Now, you, granted, you want to use it for you as you need in your retirement. But, you know, you also don't want to run out of money. So you're going to be very careful you don't spend down too quickly. Some of you listening, you know, how you leave a financial legacy for your kids and your family is extremely important. Others may say, Jim, you know what? I, I, I've given my kids great opportunities in life. Take care of us. Take care of me. But, you know, whatever you do have left, make sure that it benefits the people you want it to benefit and that you don't create problems with it and you don't have an unreasonable tax bill for your estate. And so, in other words, you just really want to see it passed down in the most efficient way possible. Uh, unfortunately, costly mistakes are all too easy to make, and without careful planning, you really could end up passing on a larger tax burden uh, or leaving uh, heirs uncertain about what to do or leave them stuff in a way that could make for problems in the family and problems with the relationships. So it's important to discuss how you plan to transfer your wealth with your professionals. Now, your professionals, you know, there's, you know, you probably need an estate planning attorney. You probably need, you know, you definitely need an accountant. But, you know, you really need a wealth management type of person to really kind of pull all that together. Uh, what I have found, unfortunately, is that for many people, you do your estate planning with your, you know, your legal documents with your attorney. You do your taxes with your CPA. And frankly, most people, that means looking in the rearview mirror. You know, like you're doing your tax return right now for 2020. And you're looking at things that already happened in 2020. So it's a rearview mirror exercise. It's not forward-looking. Tax planning is more forward-looking. And that's what not what most people do with their CPAs. Yet that's much, much more powerful in terms of saving you on your taxes, and then you may do your investments somewhere else. But there's nothing pulling it all together that's looking at all of it in totality. So I, 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 I kind of want to get into some of the estate planning things today. You know, if you have questions about your retirement and your estate plan, you're in the right place. So here's what we're going to cover today. We're going to cover estate planning basics. Who needs an estate plan? Do you need an estate plan? We'll talk about a popular estate planning strategy that was recently eliminated. And we have new guidance from the IRS about how you pass on IRAs. Brand new guidance that's different than what we had expected, almost that anybody had expected. We'll talk about the tax benefits of Roth. Are they overblown? What are some other ways to efficiently pass tax-advantaged assets to your kids? And how to talk to your loved ones about all this. You know, that's really, really important that everybody be on the same page. So how do you do that? So I want to answer some retirement and estate planning questions that you might have and talk about some potential solutions to common problems. 
You know, your finances and your family is unique, so your estate plan and retirement plan shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all solution. So always feel free to give us a call if you'd like to talk. Uh, we could start out with a 15-minute introductory phone call, or we could schedule a complimentary review, 865-862-6800. Or you can go to our website at broganfinancial.com to sign up for a complimentary financial review. Now, let's. so do you need an estate plan? Now, my answer to that, for anybody listening, is if you own something and you love somebody, you need an estate plan. An estate plan is much more than just a tax plan. An estate plan includes how are you taken care of while you're alive, and then how, do, how are things handled at your death. So, you know, an estate tax plan focuses on the taxes, but that's only one part of an estate plan. Now, we've all heard about celebrities who have died without a will, right? Prince, Michael Jackson, and all the disagreements over their estates. Now, more recently, Larry King died having amassed a fortune worth about $50 million. And I don't know if you're aware of this, he had eight marriages with seven different women. So his estate planning situation, to put it mildly, was a bit complicated, as I'm sure you can imagine. And he was in the midst of a divorce settlement with his seventh wife when he died. And now she's fighting against what for him was a handwritten will that excludes her. While your estate planning situation probably isn't filled with this kind of drama, it's still important to have an estate plan in place. So let's talk about the key components of that. Everybody needs to have a will. Uh, you know, and the most common mistake I see with a will is not keeping it updated. You know, you should be updating your will, I would say, about every five years. Uh, or if you have a major life event in your family. You know, a marriage, a divorce, a birth, or a death. You need to get it out, look at it. You should definitely be touching base with your attorney every five years. Now, by the way, I'm not an attorney. Um, I am certified in estate and trust services. And, and the reason is I need to have a pretty good knowledge of all of these things because at my firm, we kind of help coordinate all this for most of our clients. And we work with your attorney, with your CPA, but we kind of make sure everything fits together because it's really different pieces to a puzzle and they have to be brought together. So everybody needs to have a will. Now, it's also important to know what the will does and does not cover. You know, anything where you've named a beneficiary, like a retirement account, a life insurance policy, the will doesn't govern that asset unless you leave it to your estate. But if you name a person, the beneficiary designation supersedes the will. doesn't matter what's in the will. That creates problems. I'm going to get into that in the next segment when we talk about retirement accounts. Uh, or if you own things jointly, it doesn't go through your will. You know, if I own my house jointly with my wife, if I pass away first, she automatically owns the house. doesn't matter what my will says. So all that's got to be coordinated with your beneficiary designations. Now then, powers of attorney are what help take care of you while you're alive. So while you're alive, they're, they're very important. But the most important part of your estate plan. It's somebody to make your medical decisions when you cannot is your medical power of attorney. And then your financial power of attorney is for someone to make your 
financial decisions, manage your affairs, and administer your finances when you cannot. So that helps take care of you while you're alive. Some people like to have a living will, which is an advanced medical directive. It's not a will. It's, it's a medical directive. I call it death with dignity. You're incapacitated. You have no hope for recovery. How do you want to pass on? And then, now, do you need a trust while you're alive? Or do you just need your legal documents to create a trust when you're gone? Uh, see, when you're gone, it really, once you're gone and, and a trust is funded, it really doesn't matter how you had it structured before you passed away. Uh, so whether you have a trust now and put things in it or have it created at your death uh, is really more a function of control, taxation. There could be several things that could make that very, very important. So, I, I, And we don't have time to get into all those details today. But let's talk about estate taxes. The estate tax, the lifetime exemption for estate tax for an individual right now is $11.7 million. Now for a married couple, that's double, $23.4 million, if things are done properly when one spouse dies. A married couple would automatically get $23.4 million. Pretty big number. Now that number was basically doubled with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Under the old law before 2018, the end of 2018, uh, the estate tax exemption was $5 million per, per person adjusted for inflation. And we go back to that in 2026. It goes back to that rule. Now, Joe Biden has talked about reducing it down to $3.5 million. Now, it's interesting when you look at our estate tax laws, typically they don't go backwards. They're not, in other words, if the estate tax exemption is, 12, is, is 11 and a half million, you typically don't see it go backwards to 5 million unless it is grandfathered into an old law, which is kind of how our Tax Cuts and Jobs Act works. You know, that law gets, it goes back, it sunsets. It goes back to the old law. But lowering it to three and a half would be a reduction, in the, an increase in estate taxes because it would be reducing how much you can pass to your heirs. So let's look at what's happening in Congress and what's happening in Washington. You know, they're spending a lot of money. Our debt is getting pretty out of control, potentially, and they got to raise money. Uh, so there's probably changes coming. Now, you know, when you add everything together, if it dropped to three and a half million, you add your house, life insurance, if it's in your name, it is part of your taxable estate. Uh, so that's, uh, that alone is a strategy that might need to be re-evaluated to see how you can get that life insurance or, or how do you get life insurance outside of your estate. But, you know, if the, if the estate tax exemption is high today and it's going to be lower in the future, which we don't, well, we do know that because in 2026 it's going to go down, but it may go down even more. If you have a pretty nice size estate, healthy seven figures or even eight figures, you know, you might want to be doing some things now to take advantage of the higher estate tax rules. To take advantage of them now and get them out of your taxable estate while you can so that you're protected potentially from future tax law changes. So this is very, very important stuff. 
And when again, when you add all this together, your retirement accounts, you'd be surprised how quickly you might get to three and a half million. Now, for everybody, you know, most people, one of their top top two assets, if not three assets, when you add them all together, is your retirement accounts. And there's no exemption for taxation on retirement accounts. You know, your retirement accounts, everything except for your Roth, you know, a traditional IRA, 401k, 403b, you've never paid the income tax on most, if not all of that money. And so if you don't pay the income tax on your 401k and you die and it goes to your kids, who's going to pay the income taxes? Your kids are going to pay the income taxes. So just about everybody deals with this area of taxation at death. All right, so, you know, in summary, when we talk about do you need an estate plan, again, if you love somebody and you own something, you need an estate plan. And just about everybody needs to be aware of taxation because of the tax buildup on the IRAs and 401ks. If you do have a large estate, you need to be looking at options right now because estate taxes are going to go down. The, the exemption, what you can pass to your kids, is going to go down in the future under current law, and it's a risk to go down even more. So what do you need to be doing to take advantage of that? You might need to be doing some trust-based planning. Lots of things you might need to be doing. Uh, but everybody needs to be aware of the taxation on retirement accounts. So in our next segment, that's what we're going to dive into. And there's an important estate planning tool that's been, that was eliminated with the SECURE Act in December of 2019. And there have been some changes or some amendments or, or additional clarifications to how retirement accounts pass to your loved ones that is not favorable. So stay tuned. We'll cover that in the next segment. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Thanks for tuning in. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and we come to you every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. We're talking about important estate planning things that you need to be aware of. Uh, do you need an estate plan? And, you know, if you own something and love somebody, you need an estate plan. Just about everybody's going to deal with it, with taxation in their, in their estate because of the tax income tax buildup in retirement accounts that has not been taxed, IRA, 401k, 403b, uh, those with larger estates that have healthy seven-figure estates might need to be doing some additional estate tax planning because the estate tax exemptions, meaning the amount of money you can leave to your heirs without estate tax, is going down in 20, at the end of 2025, and it's at risk of going down even more which means you might be subject to a state tax at 40, 45% maybe. Under current law, it'd be 40. So all this is important. Uh, in this segment, we're going to talk about how the retirement accounts are passed and to your loved ones, and, and this really is the most overlooked area in estate planning today. Now, I do want to mention, these are this is one of the, a couple of the big topics that we cover, or that I cover in the class at the University of Tennessee, Financial Survival for Retirement. Uh, the last class for the spring is, is coming up. It's just a few couple of weeks away, May the 4th and the 11th, two successive Tuesdays, again, May the 4th and the 11th, uh, two two-hour sessions. 
I cover seven main areas, and actually these, these are a couple of the areas, estate planning, IRA distributions, uh, during your lifetime and death, uh, plus a lot of other very valuable information. So if you'd like more information about that class, uh, we, we are offering that class through the University of Tennessee. UT is offering it both virtually and in person. Now, I love in person, and they're using full uh, protocol to protect people. A lot of you have had vaccines already. I've had COVID uh, in early January. So as of right now, I'm pretty, pretty uh, protected. Uh, we'll get the vaccine when it becomes safe for me, too, when I don't have antibodies. But I'll be wearing a mask, and we'd love to see you there or virtually. You can, go to, you can get more information at financialsurvivalforretirement.com, and you can download a syllabus. There's a brief video about the class. You can click to register. We'd love to see you there. Now, the SECURE Act that was passed at the end of 2019 changed how you can pass down your retirement accounts to your loved one. And that change could mean that you need to rethink your estate plan and your tax strategy. So how might the SECURE Act impact your estate plan? So remember your retirement accounts. Now this is an, an alphabet soup. I, I say IRA 401k, but that could be any kind of a retirement account where you or your employer put money aside for the most part, those contributions were not taxed. They were deducted from your taxable income. And they grow tax deferred. So the tax is being deferred to a later date. And that later date is when you take the money out. Well, if there's money still in there and you die, that later date gets taxed to your kids if they're the beneficiary. And it, it's never a good idea. I've never heard of a reason why you'd ever want to name the estate as your beneficiary of a retirement account. You might name a trust. That becomes more complicated. But you've got this income tax time bomb. And, you know, over according to the IRS, over 90% of IRAs are cashed in when the second spouse dies. So all that money comes out, it's taxed as ordinary income to your heirs on their tax return, on top of all the income they already make. Now, it used to be, you know, when you passed away, your kids could take distributions across their remaining lifetime. They could stretch the tax bill across the rest of their lifetime. We, we call that a stretch IRA. They start a minimum distribution the year after your death. They can always take more. It's similar to the rule when you turn 72. They can always take more, but they have to take the minimum, and they're taxed on it. Well, now, when you pass away, the kids have to take all the money within 10 years. Uh, now, to clarify, if somebody died before January 1st of 2020, their beneficiaries can still utilize the old stretch IRA rule. But beginning January 1 of 2020 and later, any deaths have this new 10-year rule. Well, we had kind of assumed... All, the entire estate planning community, because of the way the SECURE Act was worded in the law, the overwhelming uh, preponderance of thought was that when your kids inherit the IRA or 401k or Roth, that there was you, you didn't have to do anything the first nine years, but whatever's in there in the 10th year had to all come out. So there was no rule on what you had to take out during the first nine years. It's just whatever's in there had to come out in the 10th year. 
Now that makes tax planning even more important for your kids because whatever's in there in year 10 has to all come out and be taxed. Now if it's a Roth IRA, it becomes tax-free, so it would make sense to leave it in there until the 10th year. Well, the IRS just recently released guidance and says, no, that's not the way it's going to work. Uh, in fact, you're going to have to take a little bit out each year, starting the year after uh, the, year, the, da the date of death. You have to take a little bit out, kind of based on your life expectancy, I believe, is what they're kind of saying. But then whatever is in there in the 10th year does have to all come out. But that eliminates some of the flexibility. So you've got, you've got you know, more tax issues because that money has to come out over 10 years instead of life. And now they've made it even less flexible. Now, and, and this would be important if somebody died in your life last year in 2020. That means this year you might have to take a required minimum distribution even though that's not what we thought up until now. We thought you don't have to do anything until the end of the until the tenth year. Um, I would not rush out if it were me. I would not rush out and say, "Oh, I've got to get that money out, that minimum distribution in 2021 for an, an account that you inherited from your parents that died last year," as an example, because this is yet to be determined, in my opinion. Uh, the law, the way the Secure Act reads. It's very clear, the, the way it's worded, without getting too technical with you on the air today, that the intention was no rule until the 10th year. You didn't have to take a little bit out each year. But now the IRS has released this guidance. So this is yet to be worked out, I think. I think Congress could step in. I think there could be uh, debates and arguments about how it's going to be interpreted. But man, it's something you better be watching. Because if somebody passed away last year and you inherited an IRA and you don't and you have to take a little bit out each year and didn't understand it, the penalty is 50%. So if you had to take out a $10,000 distribution and you didn't take it, it's a $5,000 tax penalty. You know, the, the, the real bottom line here is I just want you to understand that retirement accounts have a whole different set of complications when they go to your heirs. And as I said a minute ago, it's the most overlooked area in estate planning, in my view. And most estate planning attorneys that I talk to that understand these rules agree with me. And I will say the average estate planning attorney in, Knox, in, the, in this area I don't think does understand these rules. But there, there are plenty to do. Many I've had on this radio show and many that we work with closely, there are a lot of great options. But when it comes to your estate planning, you've got to have an attorney and a, a financial advisor, in my opinion, that knows how this fits together. Okay. Uh, also, how the beneficiary designation fits in. Because, again, the beneficiary designation supersedes the will. And it creates all kinds of complications. Because think about this. How, how, how big is a beneficiary designation on an IRA or a 401k? I mean, it's a little box on a form, right? Yet that beneficiary designation has full control and authority over who gets what, not the will. Well, how many pages is your will? You know, most wills are 8 to 10 to 12 pages long. I've seen longer. I've seen shorter, but that's kind of average, maybe 9 or 10 pages. Well, all that legal language is very important. It covers things like what if people don't die in the right order? Or what if there's a minor child? Minor children cannot inherit assets. What happens to, to it? There, there's all kinds of important wording in there. 
Well, you don't have that in a little box on a form for a beneficiary designation. So IRA planning and 401k and other retirement accounts really is a critical part of an overall retirement and estate plan. And it starts with how you take distributions in your lifetime and how they're going to be taxed. You know, I'm not going to get too much into the income tax planning while you're alive because we're talking about estate planning today. But you know, at 72, you're going to lose a lot of control of your income taxes because you have to start taking those minimum distributions from your retirement accounts and they're taxed. You got to start taking out about 4% and be taxed on most, if not all of it. So the planning during your lifetime is important, critical. And the planning of what happens when you're gone is critically important. Now we cover, as I said, all of these in my class at the University of Tennessee Financial Survival for Retirement. You can get more information at financialsurvivalforretirement.com. You can also schedule a consultation with me in our office. Uh, if you go to broganfinancial.com, you can sign up for that. We can either do a 15-minute introductory phone call where you can tell me what you're looking for and ask me questions. That time is all about you, or you can come in for an appointment. Uh, but we've got a lot of tools to try to help you. Uh, make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. So check it out online, broganfinancial.com. Now, when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about the tax planning on these retirement accounts and overall, uh, because uh, whether it's income taxes on retirement accounts that are due to your that are due when you die, or or, or you have a taxable estate, or you have several million dollars. Uh, in a state that could isn't taxable now, but could, could become taxable under the under potential new laws, how do you need to be addressing that tax planning? So don't go away. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we're talking about the critical importance of estate planning. You know, if you own some something and you love somebody, you need an estate plan. And there are so many issues. We've talked about the income tax issues that are due on your retirement accounts. That's the most obvious issue that almost every retiree faces, or soon-to-be retiree. And then we've got this, this risk of estate tax laws changing pretty dramatically in the coming years, where you don't have a taxable estate now, but you may in the future. And how do you plan for that? In this segment, we want to get out a little bit ahead of this on the, especially the income taxes that are due on your retirement accounts and how you can plan for that. You know, we've seen just more and more government spending due to COVID-19, and I think we'll likely see more in the future. And this could mean a much larger tax bill later on. And there are many long-term tax minimization strategies that can help you. Uh, things like Roth IRA, uh, Capital gains tax planning. You know, capital gains, uh, the, the, the tax treatment for long-term capital gains 
is one of the greatest things the IRS has ever given to us. So matter of fact, let me tell you the three greatest things Congress has ever given us in the Internal Revenue Code. All right? I would say number three would be the tax treatment of long-term capital gains. We actually have a 0% tax bracket in our tax code for long-term capital gains, depending on your other income. I'm going to unpack all three of these. Number two would be Roth IRA. We're in a low income tax bracket today, historically. And the ability to, to put money in a Roth and have it grow tax-free for both you and your heirs is pretty powerful. Now, I do think Roth IRAs are over overused. So again, we'll unpack that too. And then the number one would be the tax-free nature of life insurance. Now, when I say the tax-free nature of life insurance, it is income tax-free. It is not necessarily estate tax-free. As a matter of fact, most people, the way they own their life insurance in their name, in your name, it is part of your taxable estate. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have a name beneficiary, it is not part of your probate estate. It doesn't go through probate because you've named a beneficiary. But it is part of your taxable estate. And that's where some people can run into problems with maybe where the tax laws are going in the future. That can be solved. But the, t the income tax-free nature of life insurance is, is really, honestly, in my view, the best thing the IRS has ever given us. But let's unpack all three of these. Let's start with capital gains. So, you know, I, I, capital gains tax planning, regardless of your income, the, the tax rate for long-term capital gains is almost always going to be much, much more preferable than ordinary income. You know, when you're in a 10 or 12% ordinary income bracket, your tax rate for long-term gains is zero. And this is one of the most overlooked areas in tax planning. We do this every year in the fall with our clients. Hey, do you need to be doing some tax harvesting? I don't mean loss harvesting. I mean gain harvesting, where maybe the tax is zero. Now, if you're in a 22% tax bracket, your tax rate for long-term gains is 15. When you go up to 24 and to 32% ordinary income, your, your long-term gain rate's either going to be 15 or 18.8. And then when you're way up, over, or 35 even, now when your ordinary income tax rate is 37%, your long-term gain rate is 23.8. So it's a substantial difference across the board. And one of the great things the Internal Revenue Code gives us, in addition to those tax rates, is the forgiveness of that long-term tax bill when we die. If I buy a stock or a piece of real estate for $100,000 and it grows to $200,000. That's a long-term gain if I've held it for more than a year. If I sell that, I'm going to pay anywhere from 0 to 23.8% in, in long-term capital gains taxes on the $100,000 of long-term gain. It went from 100 to 200. But if I die with it, the estate tax goes away. Or not the estate, excuse me, I said that wrong. If I die with the property or the stock, the long-term capital gain the tax on that goes away. So now the tax basis for my heir is 200,000, not 100. 
So if they sell it, they only pay long-term gains on anything over 200000 That is a tremendous benefit in the tax code. There has been a lot of discussion in Washington and in the Biden administration about changing how long-term capital gains work. They've talked about eliminating the long-term capital gains rate for people that make over a million dollars. And you may say, well, Jim, that's a lot of income. I don't make a million dollars. Well, but once we open up that Pandora's box, you know, if, if they do that now, do you think it's going to filter down and hit more people later on? I do. And that's been our track record and track record of almost all government, you know, civilized societies is once you open that up, it, it starts dripping down and affecting more and more people. They've also talked about eliminating that step up in basis at death. So if I have a property, I paid 100000 and it's worth two hundred, and I die, my kids would still have to deal with the long-term capital gains taxes on the growth, whereas right now they don't. Now, we'll say if you're married. Uh, so like what if my wife and I own things jointly, and we own the stock, and it goes from one hundred to 200000 I die. Well, what happens there? Because she's still alive, and we own it jointly. Well, basically half of that, long-term gain away. But guess what? There's some, a strategy you can use in Tennessee with some trust-based planning where if, the, if it's set up properly, then when one of us dies, all of the taxable gain goes away. And that's also a very valuable strategy. Okay? So taking advantage of long-term capital gains and the benefits they offer is just tremendous. Now then, Roth IRA is a great thing. Now, Roth IRA, we have to be careful with that. I believe that Roth IRAs are oversold because of the fear of future income taxes. But it is a reality that income taxes in the future are probably going to be much higher. They're definitely going to be higher because they go up after 2025, but they're probably going to go up much more substantially. Of all the economic things that I could predict in the next 10 years, and, and nobody knows, not, not me, not anyone else, but of all the things that I could predict, the, the, the one I'd be most confident in is that our tax system would change fairly dramatically uh, over the next 10 years. But people, a lot of people, when they retire, your taxable income may go way down. So while tax rates may go up, taxable income may go way down. Now, be careful with that. If you're making a high five figures or you're making a low six-figure income, if you've got some retirement savings built, I don't know that your tax rate really will, your taxable income will go down that much. Now, if you're making a healthy six-figure income as a couple or, a per, or an individual, yeah, your tax rate may go, your taxable income may go down a good bit. But that's something that's got to be watched and looked at because when a Roth IRA makes a lot of sense is when you're in your tax, your tax rate when you take the money out is much higher than it is when you put the money in. Well, if your taxable income goes way down, that may not be the case. Used effectively, Roth IRAs are extremely powerful, but it, it needs careful analysis there's an upfront tax hit when you, when you convert money to Roth. Can you afford that tax hit? It's going gonna, it's gonna to reduce your overall investment base. And you have to be careful. That first ten year, five to ten years of retirement, you've got to be very careful that you don't reduce your investment base too much or it could be devastating.
So it requires careful analysis. And then the third, the, the, the number one, is the tax-free nature of life insurance. So this can be a tremendous estate transfer tool because it's income tax-free, and it can become a state tax-free if you structure it properly where you don't own it. Uh, typically, that involves a trust. Uh, that is irrevocable, but it can be very effective. So all of these things need to be considered, uh, but especially uh, the Roth and uh, the long-term capital gains, those things need to be addressed really right away. And there's this sweet spot between retirement age and age 72 because you have a lot of people that we work with that, that potentially even high net worth people have the ability to keep their taxable income in the early years of retirement very, very low. And, and we do that by how do we plan for income? What's the how does it impact the tax return? How do we plan for investment returns? How does that impact the tax return? And we can really minimize income taxes and take advantage of things like long-term capital gains at 0% or 15% and Roth conversion at 10 or 12% when you may be looking at 25 or 28 or 33 once you're over 72. So very, very important planning. Uh, when we, we're running a little bit behind, in the last segment, it'll be a little bit short, but it's very, very important. How do you talk about estate planning with your family? That's very important. We'll get into that next as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're on every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. We also podcast all of our shows, our dollars and cents segments, and our retirement minutes right on our website, broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. And um, I'd love to see you at my upcoming class, University of Tennessee Financial Survival for Retirement. It's on May 4th and the 11th. Two two-hour sessions, 6.30 to 8.30. We'd love to see you there either in person or virtually. You can find out more information at financialsurvivalforretirement.com. Now, estate planning starts with a conversation. How do you discuss this with your loved ones? You know, nothing separates people more quickly than money, in my view and, and in my experience. And in addition to that, today's retirees may feel more pressure than ever to help out your adult financial children or excuse me, your adult children financially. You know, do your adult children have debts to pay off? Do they live at home? Or do they expect to see, you know, do they expect financial help? So estate planning is an important part of retirement planning, as is talking to your loved ones about your legacy goals. Believe it or not, 70% of U.S. families lost not only their financial assets, but their sense of unity after transferring their wealth, according to a recent study. Now, that's alarming. We don't want to lose a sense of unity with our family. Communication is key when it comes to estate planning. You know, talking to loved ones about money can be difficult, but it's important to discuss how wealth transfer works, your legacy goals, and how you think your beneficiaries might best use any money that they inherit. 
you know, do you have adult children who are still financially dependent? Did any move back in during the pandemic or lose their jobs or ask for financial help? You know, consider if you are putting off saving or planning for your own retirement in order to support your adult children and the long-term effects on you. Consider how much you would want to leave your beneficiaries and how much money you would like to have in retirement. You know, what if, what if you're helping one child and your other child's doing pretty well? How do you adjust for that in your estate plan where people don't feel bitter, remorseful, guilty, whatever the case may be? So it's important to have conversations. Now, interestingly enough, when we talk about estate planning, one of the things I don't like about our field is there's so much emphasis on the money itself, the assets you own. And when I consider the things that I'm going to pass to my loved ones, you know, there are several main areas that I think about. I think about my values, my life experiences, how I've brought them up. Uh, I think about my relationships. You know, we have relationship assets, the way we all get along. We have what I would call life experience assets. Um, we have our religious faith. That's very, very important. And our values systems. And then we've got our financial assets. Well, you know, if I asked you of those different kinds of assets we leave to our families, if you could eliminate one of them, what would it be? It'd probably be the financial assets. It would be for me, because if I can leave them great values, a great foundation of faith, how to treat people, how to have great relationships, and I can do all those things, the financial assets aren't as important. And they can build their own, if I've done all those other things appropriately. But these conversations are important about protecting your legacy. What is it you really want to last? And I'm just very saddened by this statistic. 70% of U.S. families lost their sense of unity after transferring their wealth. So you, you've got to have good conversations. It doesn't mean you have to tell your kids all your stuff and all your money, but just conversations about how things work and what you want your legacy to be. Thank you for tuning in this week. We've discussed estate planning because a greater sense of family provides for greater living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Uh, thank you to Chris running the board. Thank you to Jill. Jill does such a great job producing the show for me. And then thank you for tuning in. Um, sign up. Look at my classes. Go to broganfinancial.com. You can get all of our information about everything coming up and subscribe to our newsletters. Thank you for tuning in this week. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a blessed weekend, and go Big Orange. Let's beat them Vanderbilt Commodores in baseball. God bless you.